Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Easttown podcast. My name is Clint, and here at Easttown, we want to always create a safe space where you can explore your spirituality and not feel judged in the process. Remember, you can find out more about Easttown at easttown.church or following us on Instagram or Facebook. Hope you enjoy this and have a great day. Hi, everyone. My name is Adam, and I'm a pastor on the other side of the bay here in the San Francisco area. And I'm honored to be with you today, and especially honored to be wrestling with a question I've heard many times uh, from my friends, my neighbors, and even I've wrestled with myself. The question is this, is Christianity irrational? Is faith in God following a spiritual path, believing in the unseen, all of this. Are, are we not past it all? Are we not beyond this? In a world built on logic and reason and intellect, isn't this whole thing irrational? Years ago, I was sitting with a friend at a coffee shop, and this friend wasn't a, wasn't a Christian. As we were chatting, another person who was from my church walked over to say hi. And when I asked him how he was doing, he said, really bad. See, the night before was the presidential election of 2012, and this guy was not happy with the result. He proceeded to say in front of me and my friend, I'm scared because he is the Antichrist. And we both sort of chuckled, and the guy said, no, I'm not joking. Everything I've read in the Bible lines up. We are in the end times. You should have seen the look on my friend's face, a combination of shock and disgust and hilarity. I mean, this guy was out there. Is this what it means to have faith or to be a Christian? Being out there, head in the clouds, detached from reality and normal human life. Irrational. Maybe on the news or social media, you've witnessed people of faith flocking to conspiracy theories or denying science and evidence. Christianity can certainly seem irrational. Now, the definition of irrational is lacking normal mental clarity or not endowed with reason or understanding. When looking at the whole of Christianity or religion, especially in America, It's hard to argue. Sometimes there seems to be a lack of mental clarity and lack of reasoning. But the question is, is this really the truth about following the way of Jesus? Or has the way of Jesus been co-opted by people not representative of the essence of following him? What if the ancient, sacred, mysterious path that early disciples saw in Jesus was actually connected to deep human truth? What if it had extreme mental clarity and was built on reason? Maybe this would change the way we think about faith. Maybe it would change the perspective others have of our faith. So today, we're going to look at a few misconceptions about Christianity and break down the reality of each. So the first misconception is this. Faith means believing in things for no good reason. No reason. Uh, I want to show you a picture of my middle child, Cohen. In many ways, he fulfills the stereotype of a middle child. He's quirky and thinks outside of the box, and and I love it so much. Uh, But sometimes he does things that defy all logic. And we'll ask him, why are you hitting your sister? 
No reason. Why are you watching the TV upside down? No reason. Why are you putting that in your nose or your mouth or other orifices? No reason. Some people think this is what faith is. Believing in divine happenings and angels and demons and prayer without any thought or logic behind it. Steven Pinker, a Harvard professor, says it like this. Universities are about reason, pure and simple. Faith, believing things without good reason to do so, has no place in anything but a religious institution. No good reason. But when we look at the early disciples, we don't see a group building faith without reason. One of the early defenders of the way of Jesus was a guy named Paul. And we see examples of him publicly using reason to build a case for Jesus. Check this out. Paul reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. And some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? This reasoning of Paul took place in Athens where Greek philosophers like Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle gave speeches. This was the epicenter of logic and reason. And we find Paul right in the middle of it. And this way of Jesus spread rapidly. In the early days, people didn't simply believe because their parents were believers, or because it aligned with their political ideologies, or because a celebrity pastor or authority figure told them to. This is not a Christian nation or culture. It grew by listening to a reasonable explanation of the human condition. But it wasn't just logical reason. This was coupled with practical reasons. In these ancient times, several epidemics and plagues swept through, and the common behavior was to push the sick away, to throw them on the road before they were dead to stop the spread of disease. But there was a small band of little Christ who did the opposite. An early church author, Tertullian, said, It is our care of the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Only look, they say. Look how they love one another. Did you know the first public hospital came from followers of Christ? with the vision to create communities caring for the sick. Also, hospices were created by early disciples of Jesus. This was a faith that supplied practical reasons for everyone in the community. Nobody had seen a faith quite like this, built on generosity, community, justice, and love. Imagine being a person in this ancient world and hearing about a group of people built on a faith That was the opposite of out there. It was here. Taking care of your community, showing sacrificial love. Doing things not with no reason, but for deep belief in the essence of humanity. Imagine if in our world and context, this is what disciples of Jesus were known for. Creating systems of help and care laying down preferences for the sake of the down and out, giving their lives for others. Would irrational, 
even be a word that could be associated with Christianity if this were the reality. Now, the second misconception is that Christianity is anti-knowledge or anti-intellect. There's a show called White Lotus, I'm sure some of you may have seen. In the most recent season, uh, there's an elite, rich, out-of-touch couple, and at one point they're in a conversation with another couple talking about current events, and, and they say, oh, we don't read the news anymore or pay attention to things like that. And the other couple is shocked. If you don't pay attention to the news, this is not an indictment for me, uh, but the show is trying to paint a picture of a privileged, out-of-touch couple who lived in a bubble apart from the rest of the world. And Christians can be like this, right? People of faith can tend to avoid certain kind of books and voices, staying in a bubble of specific faith-friendly content. People of faith can avoid certain topics or discussions, preferring to stay in safer waters. This was certainly true of my faith tradition. There were Christian news shows, Christian magazines, Christian rappers. I was the lead, lead singer of a Christian punk band, and I painted my nails black and everything, but that's a story for another day. We could exist in a bubble of very particular knowledge. But again, is this the essence of the way of Jesus? Famously, when asked what the greatest commandment was, Jesus once said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Sometimes we summarize this by simply saying the word love, which is fine. But specifically, Jesus says we are to love God with our mind. How do we love God with our mind? Well, we use it. We use our intellect, we stretch it, we grow it, we learn and challenge and, and seek other voices. Throughout Christian history, some of the greatest theologians were also the greatest thinkers. They were readers, not just of the Bible, but of philosophy and poetry and science. Christianity was never meant to mean leaving your mind at the door. It was supposed to include your mind. But also, faith speaks of another kind of knowledge. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for know is yada. Yada communicates a kind of knowing that goes beyond facts and information. In Genesis, we see this. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. I haven't been brought in today to tell you the details of what is happening here. I'll let Clint give you a play-by-play a future sermon. But it's safe to say the word no is communicating something more going on, a deeper knowledge built on intimacy and essence. If you ask me uh, about my wife, Lori, how weird would it be if I said, oh, she's the best. She's five foot four. She has brown hair. She's got a scar on her hand. She's born in Ohio, and she gets cold really easily. <laughs> you probably say, that's strange, and I'm not positive, but I think you might be a serial killer, right? Because we, we know knowing my wife has little to do with facts and information. I know her on a deeper level. This is part of the power of the way of Jesus. This is a knowing that speaks about the essence of humanity. What does it mean to be created in God's image? Why are we here? 
For what purpose? What does it mean to live a life of justice and love? Where do we turn in times of suffering? What happens when we die? At its best, Christianity and faith speak to our deepest fears and longings and hopes. Imagine if if this is what disciples of Jesus were known for in our context. People who love the life of the mind, but also love helping others find deeper meaning in times of emotional or mental angst. Okay, the final misconception is that Christianity is irrational because it's anti-science. When I was a preteen, there were two questions that brought dread to my parents' face. The first was, where do babies come from? I freaked them out. The second was, why are dinosaurs not in the Bible? This is the classic question that sends Bible readers down a path of wrestling with evolution and Genesis, Noah and a global flood, and all things science. And from a certain perspective, when looking at certain groups, it's hard to argue that there seems to be a conflict and a battle between faith and science. But this is not a new conflict. In the 1600s, a scientist who was also part of the Christian church began to make observations that maybe Earth was not the center of the universe, which conflicted with the current interpretation of certain biblical scriptures. Of course, this man was Galileo. He was accused of heresy, ordered to house arrest, where he eventually died. But the reality is this. Science and faith are not only not opposed, they aren't even trying to accomplish the same things. Science makes theories based on observations. Faith seeks to answer deeper questions about meaning. Francis Collins, a scientist and and Christian, says it like this. Science is the only reliable way to understand the natural world, but is powerless to answer questions such as, what is the meaning of human existence? We need to bring all the power of both scientific and spiritual perspectives to bear on understanding what is both seen and unseen. Not only is science not opposed to faith, But the more scientific research we see, the more it displays the miraculous nature for a universe. I don't know about you or how much you know about quantum physics. I understand very little of it, but the parts I do are incredible. First, there's quantum entanglement, where particles are connected and respond to each other instantly, even if they're on the opposite sides of the room or ends of the universe. Albert Einstein called this in very scientific terms, spooky action at a distance. Also, the paradox of superposition shows that an object can exist in multiple states at once. Legitimate physicists have theories about time travel and multiple dimensions. It all seems so out there. And it makes faith and a spiritual connection at the core of everything maybe not so crazy after all. But this intriguing science goes beyond the cosmic and crazy into our everyday. There's a book called Awakened Brain. I highly recommend. Uh, The author is a clinical psychologist, Dr. Lisa Miller. For decades, she has researched the science of spirituality. Initially, the topic wasn't taken seriously by her peers, but over time, the clinical research has been undeniable. 
Repeatedly, the research has shown that every single human's brain is wired for an awareness of spirit. It's hardwired in us. She writes, The new research raised the possibility that just as we are cognitive and physical and emotional beings, we are also spiritual beings. Beyond this reality, the research began to show a a high correlation between those whose spirituality played an important role in their life, what they lowered probability of anxiety, depression, and suicide. Again, she writes, First, low levels of depressive symptoms are related to high levels of personal devotion. That is, if you have a high degree of spirituality, you're less likely to be depressed. There is no single variable that tells us who will or won't show suicidality except for one. Strong personal spirituality was the only variable inversely associated with suicide. We came upon this interesting finding quite by accident. So throughout her research, she has found that faith in God and a spiritual awareness are not only not irrational, but are proving to provide greater mental health and fullness of life. This is how humans are wired, with a desire for spiritual connection. So, back to our core question. Is Christianity irrational? Are Christians, or people of faith, just out there? To answer this question requires taking our focus off many of our modern examples and going back to the essence of this faith. Because at the very essence is a person who defied all religious conceptions. Throughout human history, the gods were out there, and people had to do irrational things to appease them. If you pleased them, maybe rain would fall, or if you made them angry, a drought would come. But Jesus was the opposite. He was God, not out there, but down here. He came as a human, meeting the practical, real needs of those around him. He taught of a way of life that wasn't out there, but based on sacrificial love here, with our neighbors, with our community. He led a movement against empire and corruption, built on humility and sacrifice. Do you think our current world could use more humility and sacrificial love? Discovering communities who care for the sick and fight for injustice. Do you think people in our context are craving deeper understanding about the meaning of life or how to persevere in suffering? Do you think people in our culture could use practices that assist in a connection that helps alleviate anxiety and depression? Maybe Christianity is more rational than ever. Maybe the world is hungry for a faith before God that isn't out there, but is here. A God who guides and whispers and shows a way of love. This is the way of Jesus. Because he came from out there to down here, may we walk in his way in a world searching for meaning.